Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. How do you say it? Happy Yom Kippur. I say that advisedly because my wife's decoration tonight on one of our uh, pieces of furniture had something that said Happy Yom Kippur on it. And I said, Happy Yom Kippur? It's a fast day. <laughs> and she explained to me that, and I agreed with it. I was really kind of, what do you say, pulling her leg a little bit? <laughs> but if there's anyone we have, if there's any reason we have a, to rejoice, it's for the atonement of our Messiah, Yeshua, and what he has done for us. So we rejoice even as we fast. Most of us are fasting not for our own atonement. We know Yeshua is the atoning one. But we're fasting, first of all, that uh, the Lord might do work in Israel perhaps in family members. How many of you want to see the Lord do work in a family member? All of us, perhaps. And then also for our own lives, you have to admit that that last passage, the last two passages that we just read, that I believe on page nine, those last two passages are very powerful. Uh, they're in our Maksor, they're in our book, it's from a different translation than you're probably used to. I believe it's the complete Jewish Bible version. But no matter how you slice it, those are powerful passages of Scripture. Matthew 18 that we read and also Luke 9. And to me, these two passages of Scripture are two examples of how Yeshua spoke with such great authority. But there are many other examples as we read through the Besarot, the Gospels, of Yeshua speaking with tremendous authority, unique authority, as only the Son of Man, the Mashiach, could do. I want to share with you another section that many of you know very well, and that's from the book of Yochanan, the book of John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. And when I think about Yeshua speaking in authority or with authority, there are many different places we could go, but this one comes to my mind. Yeshua said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Sounds like a done deal, but then there's Thomas in the next verse. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Yeshua said to him a verse that many of you can probably recite by memory. Yeshua said this. It was in that context with Thomas's question. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this question that Thomas asked Yeshua, and what a blessing it was. I mean, we, we say a lot about Thomas, and we have in the, even have the, the saying in English, a doubting Thomas. But you know, in the end of things, he got it right. 
He had some questions, but he got it right, and he laid down his life historically, uh, like the other apostles, gave his life for the furtherance of the good news. But Thomas asked Yeshua a question that I think you would agree is a good question. He wanted to know, he said, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And that is, in response to that, is when Yeshua said the very famous statement that many of you know, as I mentioned, he said, and he begins with, and he says, I am the way. And then he continues the truth and the life. He said, I am the way. Now, this interaction with Thomas and Yeshua, you know, when you think about it, it seems simple enough. Think about the verbiage that's used. There, there are no big theological words used in this question and answer time. No words like anthropomorphism or, or eschatological or, you know, those type of things, mnemonic. There's no scientific formula that's expressed by Yeshua to Thomas. There's no mind-boggling philosophy that's brought forward in, in great lavish terms to Thomas and its question, how can we know the way? None of that appears. And I guess that's what makes for me this, this passage very powerful to me and maybe to you also. But Thomas' question and Yeshua's answer centered upon something that's really quite simple, the way, the way. How many agree that's not big, highfalutin English there? It's simple. It also is in the Hebrew text, simple. One of the early words you learn when you study Hebrew is the word derech, the way. And historically, in the first century, when Thomas was questioning about the way, there were many other people out there outside of the circle of Yeshua that were proposing different ways for the Jewish people of the first century to follow, many of them. You know, there's some of the Jewish people, they were under Roman rule at that time. Some of them were advocating to be secularists, as we would say nowadays. Just blend in, you know, kind of forget your heritage and just blend in. There were others that were Herodians. They were very keen on the kingship of Herod and his line and maintaining the kingship of Herod. There are others who were Parushim, who were Pharisees. There are others who were Sadducees. There are others who were Essenes. There were nationalistic zealots in the first century Jewish community. And there were others, and it's even like this today, who don't really care. They didn't care. Whatever was, was. So Thomas asking that question, you know, show us the way. And him questioning about the way, all around Thomas in Jerusalem at that time where, where Yeshua spoke those, re, that response to him, that he is the way, all around Jerusalem, he probably could have walked out into the streets of Jerusalem and encountered all these different people representing other ways to approach life at that time. And my friends, we have the same kind of dynamic now in our society and in this world we live in. There are many who are advocating different ways. And we could spend most of this evening, which we won't, but most of this evening talking about the various ways that are being presented to us as the solution to our life, as the way to go, or as the way. For example, there are some who would basically say the wicked way is the way to go. 
do evil. Now, I know that's not part of how we would think in this group. <laughs> but there are those who say, do evil. Do it, take, get all you can while you can, however you need to get it. Get it. An evil way. Deep down, the, that's rooted in the, the ways of the evil one himself, the enemy of our souls. And living in that kind of a way, and I've met some folks that have advocated that, and the end result wasn't good. But living with that as the goal, just getting all, you know, the sinful things you can do, get them all, enjoy life, experience life, do what you want to do, whatever feels great to you, do it. The end result of that is death and not life. It's darkness and not light. It's turmoil and not peace. It is destruction and not redemption. And it's unbelief and not faith or trust. So there are those who would advocate going the way of wickedness. There are many different varieties and strands of that, but it's there, it's out there. And there's also a second way. There's a second way, and this is what we call the way of the world. It's a little different than what we just said. It's the way of the world. It's the way of the world that really holds no promise at all for us. It has no promise for a bright future for us, the way of this world. It has no promise for satisfaction deep inside. And I don't know about you, but when I came to know, to know the Lord Yeshua, or really when he apprehended me many years ago, the first thing that I noticed, one of the first things I noticed was inner peace. Something happened inside. How many can say that's happened to you? I noticed a change inside of peace. There was turmoil all around, but I noticed peace deep inside of me. I couldn't get past the peace, the shalom, as we call it. Now, this world system is, in essence, estranged from a holy God. It's estranged. It's estranged for many reasons, but one reason is that this world system does not recognize the lordship or the kingship of Yeshua the Messiah. Actually, out in the world system, out there, there are folks that mock Yeshua. There are folks that mock people that trust in Yeshua. You don't really believe that, do you? That kind of an attitude. But what's the future of that whole, those who go by the way of the world, what does it really hold for them? No future at all you realize that selfishness is the way of this world, and we're called in Messiah Yeshua to selflessness. Do you realize getting to the top at any cost is a way that this world advocates? And Yeshua says, those who would be greatest among you, let him be what? A servant. So the way of the world is antithetical to the way of the Messiah. There's this passage in 1 John chapter 2 that couldn't be more blunt about this topic. I mean, it is straightforward, blunt, in your face, New Covenant passage. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It is a New Covenant commandment, by the way. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of this world. And verse 17 is very critical. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Will you repeat that statement with me, please? But he who does the will of God abides forever. One more time, please. But he who does the will of God abides forever. This passage points out the temporary nature of the ways of this world in, con in contrast to the eternal nature or the abiding, the forever nature of abiding in the will of God. So what should be our goal on this Yom Kippur? That we abide in the will of God, that we try to do the will of God, that we are you know, caught up, as it were, in doing the will of God. Because again, he who does the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away in the lust thereof. And there's a third way. There are those who do not profess the truth, and by not professing the truth, they profess something else. Let me explain what I mean by that. There are multitudes of people right now that are caught up in all kinds of strange religious teachings all over the face of the earth. Very strange stuff. I call it strange and I define strange, and, and you can ponder this and maybe you will agree with this definition. To me, a strange teaching is that teaching that denies the very power of Yeshua the Messiah and who he is. To me, that's a strange teaching if someone denies Yeshua and his power. Something's off there as far as I'm concerned. And I think as we carefully look at the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the Brit Hadashah, we realize that almost in every direction this points us to Yeshua. It, it pushes us toward Yeshua. It, it reveals to us Yeshua. And finally, Yeshua appears, shows himself. And by the way, he's coming back again too. <laughs> but he shows himself and he's going to come back again. Now, there are multitudes of people that have swallowed a message that has replaced the message of Yeshua in all different types of way. Uh, messages of, that really don't offer hope, that messages that don't offer forgiveness or atonement as only Yeshua can. There are belief systems that cannot really change the heart of a person. So they may have, they may have what the Bible calls an outward form of godliness but they're denying the power thereof, the power of Yeshua and his messages. Now, these strange teachings often include a Jesus. They include a Jesus, a Jesus as they see him, but not the Yeshua of the Bible. And I hope you caught the slight variance there. They're presenting some type of a Jesus, but not the real Yeshua. And who is this real Yeshua? He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, I'm thankful on this Yom Kippur. I'm thankful that there is a fourth way that Scripture talks about. A fourth way. These other three I refer to, they are each referenced in, in the Scripture. But this fourth way... This fourth play is really the first way, and it's the one I've been referring to this whole time. That is the way of being a true follower of Yeshua. There's the true way, being a follower of Yeshua the Messiah. 
and being led and empowered by his Holy Spirit. It's Paul, Rob Shaul, the Apostle Paul, such a devout believer. How many agree he was a devout believer, Rob Shaul? He suffered much for the Messiah. And it's him that writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this powerful statement. He says, I have been crucified with Messiah. I've been crucified with Messiah. It is no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends here today, he gave himself for you. Yeshua gave himself for you and for me. Rothschild seemed to realize it on a personal level, realize who Messiah was to him. He had, in a sense, connected with him who is the way, the truth, and the life. He had connected with him who brings true eternal life to a person. Now, the message of personally trusting Yeshua as Lord and Savior is the only message, the only message that offers you full forgiveness. Now, I know in just a moment we're going to recite the Al-Chet, confessional, as it's called. Al-Chet are two Hebrew words that means concerning sin. We're going to confess that. And as we do that, we can rejoice. Can rejoice that Yeshua provided atonement for us. And through faith in him, we can have full forgiveness. And we also need to tend our lives and make sure when we are estranged from someone, we do all that we can, as much as it depends on us, to get things right with that person. You know, it, does, it, it takes two to tango, I guess. It takes two to tangle. But do as much as we can to get right with people, as already been mentioned at the beginning of this service. But Yeshua is the only one, the only one that can truly take our sorrows away can truly take away our pains, can truly take away our sufferings and all that's associated with fallen mankind. Yeshua, our Redeemer, is the one that brings us this hope, this hope that will be fulfilled as the Word of God tells us. And this Yeshua, the real Yeshua, remains available to everyone who will believe in him. The door hasn't quite closed yet. We don't know when that door will close, when the heavens will rend and Messiah will return. It's still the day of salvation for every human being. There's still hope. There's still the possibility of getting right with God, turning from our sins, believing on the Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'll remind you what Psalm 31, verse 19 says. Ma Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Now, on this day of atonement, we rejoice. I do like, I got convinced that I like my wife's decoration. Happy Yom Kippur. I'm convinced. I'll tell her when I get home that I said that. <laughs> Happy Yom Kippur. It took me back, but I, I get it. We rejoice in the truth of God's word. His word says this, and you know this passage in John chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to it, please. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many of you like that passage? I like that one. That's a good word. 
Now, let's not fool ourselves, though. The text goes on from there. Let me read you the next two verses. <laughs> he who believes in him is not condemned. Where do you stand today? Do you truly believe in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah? Is he your Lord and Savior? If you, in truth, believe in him, you're not condemned. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is what? Condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. My prayer here on this Yom Kippur, we have a bevy of services today, tomorrow morning, to, tomorrow evening, tomorrow afternoon. We'll be studying um, the book of Yonah, Jonah. But my prayer for us today is that we will truly, in this, from Yom Kippur forward, we will enter deeper and deeper into our walk of trusting the Lord. I believe we need it at this time. How many of you think that's true? We need to be trusting the Lord. There are all kinds of wars and rumors of war. And who knows what this next year holds as many days as the Lord delivers onto us. But I know this, it will go well for those who place their hope in the Lord and who trust in Him. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H. Org. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.